Hi, and welcome to Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, highlighting artists, teachers, authors, and philanthropists of the regenerative movement, people who are committed to and showcase qualities of planetary leadership. My name is Julian Guderlei. I'm a transformational coach, a breathwork teacher, and I'm committed to a world that allows people from all walks of life to thrive. I'm your host and creator of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, and in today's episode, I'm hosting an interview with Jean-Pierre Gou. Jean-Pierre is a co-founder of One Home, and One Home is a non-profit initiative established in Paris, France. Their mission is to bring the overview effect to millions of people and make everybody feel home on this planet, our green planet, blue planet, our planet home. Jean-Pierre's expertise and interests primarily focus on the energy and environment sector. He has ample experience in development and growth of innovative businesses in complex, competitive, and rapidly changing economic environments. And those are the times we're in. And so with these words, welcome, Jean-Pierre. Thank you very much, uh, Julian. I'm very pleased to be here on the uh, Green Planet, Blue Planet. Yeah, you know, our planet Earth, our one home. I think we're all describing it in different ways. Um, but this notion of a unified planet and both the times um, that we're in where, where this is starting to become aware to so many people but then also the necessity that, you know, you, from an economic perspective, and you said it to me earlier, you're also a mathematician, like, you know, we're living in super, like in times of super big change. And so that change, I think often is explained as like the sixth massive extinction of species or humanity unifying and finding solutions to a lot of things that currently look dire. So Maybe tell us your perspective on all this and, and how you created One Home and, and, and what's, what's really going on, how you're moving people to, to experience that overview effect. Yeah, so if I could start, uh, yeah, I've been interested and uh, concerned by environmental issues since, I would say, 25 years, since the Rio summit in 1992. Uh, I was a teenager at that time and I was really... Um, uh, I was really trusting the head of states to take decision and to solve this problem because they look obvious. You know, we pollute, we uh, put uh, humanity at threat, so we should react. You know, and uh, then I observed that uh, things didn't really happen because uh, these decisions were totally interlinked with our view systems and with the economics, and people couldn't make choices, which is basically hampering the position they have. So this has created a statu quo and a statu quo that has uh, made the crisis even worse in the past 25 years. So as I'm a person that always worries about things and likes to read, likes to understand, I always try to find solutions which were, I would say, not so common to try to scale them. You know? And, uh, and um, 20 years ago, I came across um, a book um, called The Home Planet, uh, written by a, a person, uh, an American called uh, Kevin Kelly. He wrote that for the Association of Space Explorers, which is basically an association of uh, uh, alumni of astronauts. And they published a book with amazing photographs of the Earth, plus some quotes of astronauts from different countries on the world. And when I so the, the, the photograph, they were beautiful, but I was really marked by the text and the quotes. And these quotes were really talking about something which I never saw elsewhere. They were speaking about oneness. They were speaking about interconnectedness. They were 
speaking about love to the earth. They were speaking about the earth as a living system, things that uh, James Lovelock introduced in the Gaia theory, but they left it. And they use very poetic words. And these guys were, uh, or women, were mostly engineers or military people. And uh, therefore, I was really surprised to see this poetic word. So I started to, uh, to meet with some astronauts. And, uh, you know, I discovered that something really happened in space that changed them forever. And this transformation is called the overview effect. This is when you actually see the Earth from space and combined with zero gravity, silence, and fear, you realize that you live on a unique planet, not with a, a rational thinking, but with emotions. And this is not leaving you at all. And if you talk to astronauts even 20 years after they went to space or 30 years, they have the same rememberings. And I believe that once you love something, you can care about something. And uh, in the environmental protection uh, movement, I uh, would say people maybe forgot that part to make people fall in love with the Earth, something we should all have in common to live on this uh, spaceship Earth. And, um, you know, my, uh, the past 20 years, I've tried to reproduce this overview effect. Yeah, wow, that is, that's a, a quotable there. We forgot to make people fall in love with the Earth again first yeah. before we bombarded each other with this narrative of doomsday and how we're extincting everything right now like yeah. what you're saying it's not a thing about the head it's a somatic heart brain experience and you know uh, there, there are some people that think you know the, the the way you look at the world changes the world as well you know because uh, if you look at the world in a lovable way and you are every day in a how saying wow this is really amazing i'm on this small planet alive you know walking on it breathing uh, I have all these treasures around me, this amazing nature that is free, that is delivering services. And uh, to be in this state of gratitude, I think it's really something that we forget. You know, We always think through the worldviews or to the economic system, our problems, blah, blah, blah. But we forget to uh, cherish what we have all in common. Something really amazing is just to be alive in the middle of the cosmos on this planet. And if you think at it, about it, it's a weird uh situation that we have as human and uh just stepping back and being in this state of love with the earth could uh, initiate a change inner and outer change yeah beautifully put i think uh, you know you said it's kind of a weird situation it's it's a total blessing right it's like a biological proof of you know winning the lottery like the lottery of life yeah Exactly. We're, we're alive and by that we're worthy we're here we, we're here to build something and and so just following the rules of um all paradigms or cross domestic product and you know i think many 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 of us are awakening that that's that's not enough and so the the turnaround takes it takes work it takes it takes evolution it takes you know all of us to learn to come together and so so what do you think is most required to to make this turnaround happen um so to make this turnaround happen, I, I, I think you know, behind ourselves, behind our infrastructure, behind our administration, or uh, there, there is something which is uh, the way we look at the world. You know, and the, the way we look at the world, basically, uh, genetically, the humans, we are still like we were two million years ago, meaning that we are a creature uh, born to survive, born to expand 
born to explore, born to populate, and born to dominate nature, to reduce fear, because nature could be also a, a source of fear. And we, we, you know, in a few thousand years, we pass from a few million people to 8 billion, and genetically we are the same, meaning that we do not uh, see that what we do has a global impact. Uh, uh, because when you do something, you throw away something, and I'm sure, Julian, you don't throw away many things, but when you do, you know, you feel alone and you say, okay, this just doesn't have any consequence. But the problem, we are 8 billion, you know. So all of these little things taken together make a lot of harm. And now we're at a stage where humankind is at a planetary scale, and that's called the Anthropocene. We are the main geological force that influences the Earth, and many people turn that into a negative way. I'm sure we can turn it in a very positive way because we are at a moment where this gigantic human of made of 8 billion people, he's at the size of the earth, you know? And it's like we have grown, we have grown, now we're at the size. We cannot grow further because anyway, we'll destroy it, but we can uh, learn to interact together, you know? And putting us at the scale of the earth to realize that, wow, we became a spacey, a planetary spacey, um, is something very important. And what we need is to integrate this notion of planetary boundaries and interconnectedness in our behavior. And uh, that's something that, you know, Buddhism, for example, uh, is uh, looking at, and there are many ways to, to read that. But uh, astronauts, without any uh, spiritual preparation, they, they integrated that in their worldview because they saw it and they felt it. And uh, my point of view is to create a deep experience, and that's what we are trying to do with One Home, where people like astronauts that have no background just feel blessed, just feel amazed, and just feel changed. And you change a little bit of things together, and you create something in common with people, because things here from space could lead you to something really magnificent. Yeah, beautiful. And maybe guide us a little bit more into the, some of those experiences, because this is one of the, the amazing um, effects of art, right? Is we can guide people into transformational experiences because maybe at the moment uh, it's going to be hard to bring 8 billion people into space and back to yeah. have them experience so, the overview effect. Exactly. So the, the you know, uh, there are many moments, uh, no, there are few moments in life that change you. You know, I think fear of death, loss of a kid, loss of a parent, um, you know, amazing joy, uh, but you can't count this moment in 10. And artistic emotion could be part of that. You know, when you see something like the Grand Canyon or you see something could be natural or non-natural, you know, this moment can create a shock and uh, it can create your, um, you know, your destiny, meaning you, you, you would like to work in that field or other things, but it could also create you a change that makes you change your behavior, you know, but very few things change your, your behavior. And if you look at astronauts, they had the chance to live this experience, but only 500 of them have lived that. So my question was, how could you recreate the condition of the overview effect without sending people in space? Because if you look at the new space industry, Elon Musk and others, or Virgin Galactic, they promise people to leave the overview effect by spending, you know, uh, a few hundred thousand dollars or a few million dollars to go a few hours in space. What we want is you do that from your, um, your seat at home. So uh, it took me a lot of time to find the right images to provoke the overview effect. And when you compare the overview effect uh, of different astronauts, 
the one that had the deepest overview effect of seeing the Earth from space were um, the, uh, the astronauts from the Apollo program because they left the orbit and they saw the Earth in totality. And there is one picture that many people know. It's actually the most reproduced picture in the history of mankind. It's called Blue Marble. It was taken in 1972. It was the first picture of the Earth fully lit and the last uh, picture of the Earth fully lit because uh, the Apollo 17 mission was the last one. And um, 20 years ago, Al Gore had the idea of sending a satellite in space that could always take new pictures of the Earth fully lit. And uh, this satellite was blocked by Bush because uh, Al Gore lost the election against Bush. And it was finally launched in 2015 uh, by uh, Obama uh, with a rocket from Elon Musk from SpaceX. And, uh, and this uh, satellite reached what is called the Lagrangian point L1, which is one million uh, miles away, so four times the distance between Earth and Moon. And this satellite is on the Earth-Sun axis, always facing the, uh, the day face of the Earth. And uh, this satellite is taking 10 pictures per day. And with a friend of mine, Michael Bokara, who lives in Israel, uh, we created the first algorithm to compute the missing frame. And we created the first uh, video of the Earth in rotation from space. And uh, when I showed that for the first time, it was in a TEDx conference people couldn't leave the room. There were 600 people in the room, they couldn't leave because they were so amazed to see that for the first time, the rotation of the Earth. We have seen Mars rotating, we have seen Saturn, we have seen Jupiter, but never the Earth because there were no satellites before that one. Uh, so that was back uh, some years ago. So I gave a lot of conferences to create the overview effect. And then at some point I hooked up with another friend of mine, Kim Winke, who is a designer who told me, okay, now we have the proof with your conference that this is working. So we need to create a place on the web where people can do it uh, for free without going to a conference and we'll scale that by the, to the world. And um, we, uh, we launched One Home, this uh, um, NGO, because everything we do is for free. Uh, we launched it uh, during the confinement period two, two months ago. And uh, since that, people can access daily videos of the earth rotating from space and we'll give away materials so that people can organize events around the earth everywhere on the world. So we're actually redesigning our website today and launching a new version in two, two days from now, uh, where it will be easy for people to have a kit to organize their earth overview uh, event, because if you do that at home, it's great. But if you share it with friends, if you do it in a company, if you do it in a, before a conference or before a, a company board, it could really inspire people. Beautiful, yeah. I watched the video of the Earth rotating before our interview, and I'll make sure to link out the new website as this episode gets released so people can experience it. Have you guys done any experiences with uh, virtual reality where people get into an immersive space of, of that experience? I, so actually, we have, uh, with uh, the calculation we've done from the NASA images, created a 3D model of the Earth, and we rendered 2D images. But we have a 3D model. We could do a VR experience, but if we present it as a VR experience, people will have the impression that this is a very technological project and I want it to stay very simple. You don't need a helmet, you just sit, you just watch and you enjoy. Uh, we'll maybe, we will maybe release the VR version next year, you know, in 2021 after that, but uh, I've seen it in VR. I mean, of course it's a bit more immersive, 
but you face the earth. So the, the 3D, you can e even imagine it in 2D. Uh, what you need is a good screen, but you can do it on your cell phone as well. Uh, we post every day our videos on Instagram on the One Home account. Uh, so people can enjoy that on their cell phone. But we have an account on YouTube and Vimeo where all the videos are for free. And people can look at that on their smart TV or broadcast it in a movie theater. That's really what we want. But uh, the, the VR, this is something we'll do after. But our point is to share it with millions of people. And you don't have millions of people that have VR. You know? And uh, so the idea is to, to calibrate the experience so that it is great in 2D. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I, I hear you on that one. It's definitely also a, a question of, of quantity in this case, specifically to get many, many people to experience it. And I could see how, you know, experiencing it on your cell phone would have a very different effect than let's say seeing it on a movie screen in a theater. Yeah. Um, that would be, that would be something. Imagine a world where before every movie we'd have a four minute experience of remembering, reminding us of, of the planet we live on. Yeah. And, uh, you know, uh, just before the confinement, I was uh, in discussion with uh, some people in the movie industry that were interested to show this image before, uh, I mean, not necessarily all the year, but, you know, in particular moment of the year or before certain films, but it would be good to remember. And uh, we have shown it already uh, in some movie theaters. I can tell you it's really deep because when you are in the full darkness with a great sound, then the immersive, you don't need VR, you know, it's totally immersive, you know, you feel like in space. And, um, and for the immersive, as we don't have the 3D, um, but anyway, from this distance, if you were an astronaut on this Lagrange endpoint L1, mm -hmm. the Earth will be in 2D because you will see flat, you won't see the fact that it is a sphere. You will see just like when we look at the moon, we don't see a sphere, you know, uh, we see just a, a disk. And uh, the, the size of the Earth from this point L1 is exactly the size of the moon. So it doesn't really make a difference. But uh, in order to create this zero gravity or immersivity, what we work is with music. You know? We have um, uh, um, worked with different musicians to create uh, deep experiences. So initially we worked with a French DJ, which is very well known uh, internationally called Agoria. He loved the project and he designed a music uh, very um, space, very uh, uh, synthetic, but beautiful. And this music, uh, makes you in trippy mode. Tomorrow, uh, we are releasing a new music with a, an international singer uh, called Yael Naim. She's very well known in the US because she did um, the music for the, I mean, Apple shows her music for uh, the ad of the MacBook Air called New Soul. So she had an international success. She loved the project and she uh, wrote an amazing love song that will release, uh, yeah, tomorrow and this love song will increase the effect of the overview effect and we have other musicians in classical music jazz of different styles that we want to invite to do a featuring because we believe that the power of music combined with the power of the this image could create an opening of the art uh, yeah Beautiful. You guys are just getting started and there's much more to come. Short intermission. This is your host, Julian, for a short announcement. Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast is currently entirely self-funded from my private coaching practice and work in the world, speaking at events and teaching breathwork, meditation, as well as facilitating leadership programs. If you're at a place in your life where you're ready to level up, step forward and be all in, then this might just be for you. 
Have you considered hiring a coach? Or is it time to find someone who deeply cares for the same evolutionary revolution on our planet? If that's the case, I'm your guy. As a transformational coach, I've worked with hundreds of people at events and in person via weekly calls over various months. I'm in service to switch on humans just like you who are on the cutting edge of some of the most progressive stuff on planet Earth. And if that's not quite you yet, but that's the dream inside of you, then even more reason to reach out. Well, whether you are a successful entrepreneur, a startup founder, or an artist, I am here to support more people to deepen their planetary purpose. I've developed highly tailored coaching programs that are based on bringing out your gift into the world because I believe in a world in which we can empower and encourage all individuals to express their unique gifts. And all right, before we get back to the episode, make sure you visit my website, greenplanet-blueplanet.com slash mentorships, or simply find your way there by clicking work with Julian and book a free consultation with me. And if you listen to the end of the episode, I will give away a discount for listeners only. So here we go. We're returning to today's episode. There's much more to come. Jean-Pierre, I'm going to ask you a few personal questions too, to relate, to relate deeper into that, that experience here. And so maybe let's start with, you know, it's going to be hard to just pick three, but if you'd have three places on this beautiful blue marble on our planet that you either had an amazing experience at, or it's your home and you love it, or it's, it's, what are your three favorite places on the planet and, and maybe why? You know? Okay. So, uh, so one place for sure, which for me is really important, is uh, in Arizona. It's uh, the site where Biosphere 2 has been constructed. So Biosphere 2 is a replica of Biosphere 1, which is the Earth. It's a sealed dome where eight humans lived during two years in a small planet. And they understood, like the astronaut, that interconnectedness, oneness, uh, planetary boundaries, they integrated that just because otherwise they couldn't survive. And I went there 20 years ago, and for me, this, is, this was a revelation. The site is so amazing. This is a territory where, uh, of uh, Indian Hopis, so you see a lot of spirituality in this land. And this site is just a sign from the future that has been sent to us. And the Biosphere 2 people are part of our advisors at, at one home. You know? so, so that's definitely one place. Another place that I really love is um, I would say the um, in the top of France uh, near Marseille, you have some very old rocks, uh, white rocks called Les Calanques, and this is very wild, and you can see all the strength of nature, and this is where um, uh, former shamans, uh, when uh, uh, there are a lot of, um, how do you say, cav caverns where they used to do their ceremony. And you can feel, like in Arizona, a lot of spirituality in this part of, uh, of Earth. And uh, I wrote two, two novels, and these novels uh, are ending uh, in that particular place. And for me, it's one of the most inspiring places. And the third one, I would say my apartment, you know, because feeling, <laughs> home, feeling home, which is the claim you know, we have with one home to make everybody feel home on this planet. And feeling home, what does that mean? You know, feeling good, feeling with you, the things you cherish, you respect things, you know, you don't, you, people usually don't act outside as they do inside. You, know, you don't pollute your apartment, you don't throw things on the ground, you know, at least most people don't do. You respect things. And I think 
if we could have this home feeling, meaning feeling welcome, feeling love, feeling in comfort everywhere on this planet, this is really great. And I would say, uh, I like my place. I like, I like to have my books and my posters and uh, my vibes. So that's uh, the third place. Yeah, and, beautiful. And I in Paris. Everyone who is seeing the video episode of this can can maybe attest to the little window we get into Jean Pierre's uh, you know living room there with you know a poster uh, collage yeah. of planet Earth and yeah. different wooden beams that that make it feel you know quite a bit more homey maybe than than other yeah. apartments. Yeah. yeah, you touched on something there, um, you know, which reminds me of this idea of the shared spaces or commons in in the idea of respect for how we treat spaces and so. Another quality similar to respect in my eyes is trust. And I think trust is a very important notion as we're evolving into a species that can, you know, actually provide for each other and uh, find its, its role in the ecosystem of earth. And so my question for you um, personally is what is required for you to experience trust and to have trust? It's a good question. Um... I would say in general, I trust people. Uh, so uh, certain people will require precondition to give trust. I would say myself, uh, I take for granted that the others are non-aggressive. And usually if you take that for granted, it's very rare that people uh, aggress or did bad things to me. So I would say if I am in good shape and uh, in good shape in my head, usually, I don't even think about this question of trust for myself. For me, it's the way I relate to the world. You know, uh, the world is not treating me badly and I don't have the fear that it is gonna treat me badly. And uh, so I am cultivating this state of trust. You know? uh, and, um, but maybe because I'm a lucky person, you know, so far it has worked. And um, if you are not too uh, worried of the world, you attract people that you know want to do good for you. Thank you. Yeah, I think it's a it's a very, very interesting notion, and there's there's a lot of you know reconciliation work about broken past from broken trust from the past that our species has to is currently undergoing and has to yet yet undergo. And so maybe along that notion, if you were to reflect, what do you think it takes for humanity? as a large to be able to learn from past mistakes because it, it doesn't feel like we're quite actually that good yet at understanding what we've done wrong and how to simply change our behavior. So what does it take to learn from past mistakes for the human species? Yeah, it, it, I, you need to step back a bit, you know, to, to learn from, so you need to step back and probably slow down. You know, uh, and uh, this confinement period was actually very interesting because we had to step back and we had to slow down, you know, and it created a moment of suspension where for the ones which did, did have the chance to have a bit of free time for themselves, it created this moment where you could reflect on uh, your life and uh, the human condition in general. So I would say stepping back, you know, so meditation, uh, anything that can put you into, you know, cut your relationship with the rest, you know, is something very important. Uh, breathing um, and uh, cultivating, um, yeah, deep moments in nature. Those moments, uh, because the virus was a negative way of being in this uh, state, but you could put yourself 
in, uh, in some areas. And I think we should all have a right for this moment you know, uh, uh, to, uh, to, 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 uh, to step back, reflect on ourselves and reflect on the others, reflect on the planet. And uh, this moment of stepping back are important. So, yeah. Mm. yeah, stepping back and maybe, maybe slowing down. I think at a, as a large, if you think of it this way, we, we rarely ever do this because there's always economy. The economy train is always running. It's always rolling. Very yeah, but uh, the, the, the past crisis we, sh we show, I mean, of course, we stopped the economy in certain areas. Mm -hmm. The economy continued in, in others. Um, it had very deep economical situation. But I think for the first time, people touched the point that all of that is a story, you know, yeah, yeah. Is, is a dream, you know, like what is money? You know, like we're running after money. All of that is a fake creation and it's a common belief. You know? And I think this story of capitalism uh, with uh, you know, growth and uh, you know, this cycle of extraction and destruction, it, it was the natural uh, extension of uh, what humans were doing for uh, thousands of years. Now it has been instrumentalized and people have suddenly realized that this is just a story and you can change the story. And uh, I really believe in the power of narrative before I was talking about experience. But uh, initially, I tried to recreate the overview effect by creating a novel, you know, a novel in which I explained that, you know, if we share that to billions of people, maybe we could have a consciousness shift and uh, create what I call a blue revolution. And it's very funny because when you start to write a book and you basically create a duplicate of your uh, of the system we have, and if this duplicate is uh, is actually um, working, uh, uh, if this duplicate is actually working, uh, the, the we will be in a situation where uh, you cannot distinguish the reality from uh, what you have imagined. And I think working on the imagination working on the narrative is something very important if you want to change consciousness so storytellers have a great uh, role to to play to give hope to create futures that people would like to go and uh, i think this is also a way that could help humanity to to change yeah beautiful this is definitely something i'm called to is to continuously explore the narratives the storytelling and also um, you know, the way we relate to the current story that, that has been told. And so along that line, Jean-Pierre, what does is, what is purpose, the word purpose, mean to you? Uh, purpose, I think it's something very, uh, um, uh, purpose is something which is, you know, the deep mission that you have. You know, it could be your purpose. It could be the purpose of mankind. You know, a lot of companies today are, you know, using the purpose to drive uh, uh, their employees and to drive their business because if you don't have a purpose basically you don't know who you are you know you don't know what you are for uh, and answering the why you know and uh, the purpose is really linked to this question of the why and uh, at an individual or collective it's very important and it's funny because when companies are uh, have been running a company for 20 years I just left uh, a few months ago to focus on this NGO, but I know very much the business world. Sometimes it's a bit fake because you have to imagine uh, a mission for something which didn't really have a mission, you know? And uh, 
sometimes the mission, when you look at the mission with what the company actually do, is a, it has nothing to do together. But it could be a role model to change the company in five years or 10 years to make it evolve because employees start to believe that even if you pollute, you know, if you say, okay, our mission is to respect nature and to build the best car in the world that respect nature, at some point, you know, people will actually create that. So the purpose is it could be, you know, something that define you now or define you of who you want to be in a certain moment, you know. And, uh, you know, when we had this crisis with this virus uh, worldwide, we started to listen to some very inspiring talks from certain political leaders. Some others didn't change at all, but uh, the, the, it was very interesting that people started to talk philosophically uh, about, you know, the notion of economy, the importance of life, the importance of nature. So we'll see, you know, and uh, I think more and more we'll have this crisis individually and collective that will uh, uh, push us to um, a different, um, yeah, to a philosophical questioning and to ask for the question of purpose. And the biggest question is, what's the purpose of mankind? You know, yeah. yeah, that's really interesting what you just said there. What I, what I heard you say was, if you don't have a purpose, you don't know who you are. And if you think that, you know, just a little further along those lines, if, if our purpose is, you know, you also mentioned that in the economic way of, of thinking and doing, sometimes purpose turns into following a story that if you keep looking a little deeper, isn't really there. It's just a made up story of infinite growth of an economy and the gross domestic product of a country, which, I mean, it, it's just how it was. It's just how yeah. it, it, it still is in um, major ways, but we're noticing that that story is coming to an end. We're noticing it from all different walks of life. It, it created inequality. It, it didn't create the promise of, you know, healthy and wealthy people. Yeah. It created some wealthy people. And so at a large, I think, as you said, like we're figuring out what is our purpose? What is, what is our reason? Like what is our reason of being, right? What, why are we even alive on this planet? And so for some people that like gets very esoteric or very philosophical, but I believe that way of reflecting and that level of questioning is very important in our economic striving and in our you know, political striving too, because we see that the political circles, and I was fortunate enough to see political debates in, in three and more countries. And I, I got to say, they're all the same bullshit because they're not actually supporting the well-being of the people. They're just supporting the ego agenda of the person or the political party. And yeah. no matter how evolved the system is, if it's Germany or Canada or the US or France, it's it's the same same because it lacks purpose as a a notion of integrity with life yeah it's uh, yeah and you know you were speaking about the political system i, I think you know the, the this is really a system that is lacking purpose you know their main purpose is to win election and to do everything in their power to make the other lose you know? so it's really an energy of destruction and to keep power instead of you know using power in a nice way you know and uh, and even when you are nice, you know, we see, uh, you know, you, you, you have spent many years in Canada, uh, you know, 
Trudeau is one of the inspiring leaders in the world. He's criticized as well, and you know he's not perfect neither. Um, so nobody's perfect because he's a good-looking guy, you know. And uh, I think the the it, it's very difficult because he has to please certain people. And the way we deal with the people, it's like you know you deal with uh, the people, the inhabitants, like uh, customer. You want to please them. So uh, and uh, in the end, if you do politics to please people, um, then it's like you run a supermarket, you know, and uh, and we uh, we really lack in this difficult period inspiring leaders. If you look at World War II, you know, we came out. It was a dramatic moment, but after the war, we had in many places in the world great leaders which shaped the agenda for the next seventy years, and in particular, international peace. You know, today everybody is like so short. Uh, oriented the economy is the driving force but the economy should not be the driving force the economy should be the consequence of a philosophical choice of organization and the economy is something which is just the way human interact together with resources so the economy could be something beautiful but the day the, the system you create is basically controlling you then it's it's really fucked up so we need to, to get rid of that realize that these are only beliefs and then you know you can work on that and during this crisis we we just passed i think it was very interesting because a lot of people realized that what we live what we do is totally absurd you know and uh are like why i'm Absolutely. doing this job why am i uh, living here with this person you know why am i doing something <laughs> that i don't like you know why yeah. Don't I help these other people? So, and then, you know, life came back to normal. Some people lost this reflection, but it was good that some people had that more than ever, I would say. Yeah, in the official narrative that is uh, realizing that it's not essential, right? If it's not exactly. essential, it was, it was canceled for a few months. Exactly. I, have, um, I have two more questions for you. And this next question allows us to zoom out a bit, just like in your overview effect, right? Just like in in the perception of the astronauts. And so this question is inspired by, by the mission and the mandate that kind of got downloaded into me and that I'm, that I'm pursuing and very much is in alignment with a native and indigenous worldview of seven generations. So my question for you, Jean-Pierre, is what is your earth vision in the context of seven generations going forward? So if we were to say, 200-ish years, which is about seven generations, what is the dream for this world, for this earth, that is um, that is in your heart and in your mind. Yeah, so I, I never soft up to, uh, to 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 this seven generation. I know the, the 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 tradition. I think we are in a moment where what we know for sure is that we cannot continue in this direction. So in two hundred years, either we are back to a, or we are in a Mad Max world, you know, uh, or you know we have changed something very deep which led us to survive in an harmonious way. And uh, what I'm very interesting is to create the precondition for that, you know, to make us grow from, a, let's say, a basic species to a planetary species that is totally conscious of living on this planet. I think many creatures on this planet have acquired wisdom, you know, uh, uh, but very, uh, I don't know of any creature that has acquired this global consciousness. Maybe trees, you know, trees are the ultimate uh, wise creature and uh, they communicate through in a different way, but I don't know if they fully realize where they are, what they are, 
and uh, what their mission, etc. But it would be unique. So for me, it would be uh, a vision where we manage to live in harmony with other humans, other non-humans, meaning animals, plants, etc., with all beings, and uh, yeah, uh, uh, with, with nature. And this is really to make a new pact, a new alliance uh, with uh, all the living things to, to create a new world vision and to live into that. But at the same time, I don't want an ideal world where there is no contradiction, where there is no mad people, because I think mad people are very important, you know, even if they create harm. And a world that where everybody is like loving the others, etc., without criticizing or without capacity of oppression, could be a kind of dictature in a way. You know? So the, the question is to, you know, for sure integrate this uh, planetary limit into our behavior, uh, change the relationship we have to, with the rest of the natural world and uh, with the new alliance, and um, still allow, um, yeah. Uh, freedom of speech, freedom of uh, of saying bad things, acting bad, because uh, from that many good things will uh, everything has a positive and negative uh, charge, and uh, what we consider positive could be actually negative on the long run. So we'll have to look into that. Mm -hmm. Thank you for your answer. Let's just let that let that sink in and um, you know permeate our, our consciousness as we're listening. My last question is is maybe a little simpler, but but could be as complex. And and this is about this notion of happiness or contentment. And I, I just want to hear from you, what is happiness or contentment in your own experience and in your own words? I think, uh, you know, from my personal uh, experience, is um, you know what creates contentment is. Um, when I meet very inspiring and enlightening people, because uh, I have the feeling that you know they give some light on me, and uh, I understand certain things. And these moments where, when I read a book, when I meet somebody, when I have a moment where I, I understand deeper what I'm doing, I think this is very important. And I will say, in a reflection, now that I'm in a position to inspire others, when I see in the eye of the others that what I've said has uh, created a bit of spark or of consciousness and I'm helping them in their own path, I'm happy as well, you know, because I say, okay, I'm in my mission, I'm in my purpose today, and maybe this person, this will help uh, her to, uh, to navigate in her life. You know, so, yeah. Beautiful, it's a two-way street. Yeah, being, uh, being inspired and inspiring. Mm. Amazing. Jean-Pierre, thank you so much for your time, for, you know, sharing on Green Planet, Blue Planet, also for your work in the world. I'll make sure to link out uh, the main website. Is there anywhere else where you'd like to send people anything else you'd like to share on a closing note? Yeah, so what I can share is, that, I mean, today is just the beginning of One Home. Uh, we were supposed to launch it in October, but we did an earlier release because we wanted during the confinement to bring this uh, view of the earth to people because I think it was a very depressive moment for many and wanted to, to create hope. But our big goal with One Home is actually a crazy goal, which is to um, make people fall in love with the earth and collect the love of these people in an experience where everybody will send a vocal message that will collect on our server. And this vocal message will uh, orbit around the earth like love stars. 
and we want to collect one million lobsters from all countries in the world. And we want to create a treasure of mankind, which is this, uh, all these declarations of love from different nations to the earth. And we believe that even if it is um, uh, a kind of a computer uh, experience, we, we have made it beautiful. And we want uh, to collect that for people when they see this treasure saying, you know, mankind is capable of loving the earth. Others have done it, so I'm loving it. And I uh, think this could create a movement of earth-loving people. And this is really what we would like to, uh, to trigger. So, uh, yeah, uh, so for all people that listen to us, check regularly our, yeah, our social networks for the news on One Home because uh, there will be many surprises. Amazing. And maybe a follow-up conversation about this love yeah, yeah. message around the world. Yeah. Thank you for today. Thank you very much and uh, very pleased and, uh, um, and uh, see, see you again. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening and here we are again. This is your host, Julian. I hope you truly enjoyed this episode of Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast and received some insights and knowledge for your life, relationships and business. If you love Green Planet, Blue Planet podcast, Make sure to subscribe, leave a review that really allows this podcast to reach a broader audience and share it with a friend. Let me also remind you that this podcast is currently entirely self-funded. I'm a transformational coach and mentor, a breathwork guide, and want to offer all my listeners a full 10% off my private coaching work. That is as much as $500 for a three-month program. And this discount applies for all one-on-one coaching offers, as well as some select coaching groups that I host in person. If you're curious and interested, make sure to visit the website greenplanet-blueplanet.com and click Work with Julian. Let me tell you a little bit more about my planetary purpose and leadership programs. I am committed to accelerating our human tribe, going deep into unconditioning the blocking beliefs and blind spots, enabling your gifts and clarity to amplify for aligned business, healthy relationships, and overall presence with life. I have worked with hundreds of people across the world, either one-on-one in small coaching groups online or in-person at events. It is my gift to boost authentic confidence and guide you while asking the deepest questions that get you to address your dormant potential. I am an activator and catalyst for those who are ready to step into the highest version of themselves. We live in unique times and let me tell you from experience, having a coach makes a massive difference. I specialize on supporting successful entrepreneurs in unpacking their purpose and joy of life. I do work with startup entrepreneurs and artists as well and on request I host individual breathwork mentorships. If you want to learn more, how to support the show or suggest a guest, you can also simply send me an email. If you want to take advantage of the offer I just mentioned and claim the 10% discount, simply book a free consultation with me through my website that is greenplanet-blueplanet.com mentorships and mention the end of episode discount and I'll give the discount code to you right here, right now. It's 808. That's right. That's your code right here, right now, 808. Mention it to me in our free consultation that you can book by the website and 10% are yours. That being said, thank you so much for listening today. Have yourself an amazing day. Don't forget to hit subscribe, review the show, and share it with a friend.